Is there something wrong? Warning. Life support failure on all decks. Abandon ship. Maybe it is time to take command. Bridge to Captain. Join Jan Shaw updating current events as only Jan can. Library computer. Data being received. Produced by CosmicReality.com Hello and welcome to this week's Cosmic Creating Show. My name is Jan Shaw, the Success Alchemist. You can find me at thesuccessalchemist.net on Facebook and YouTube, Jan Shaw, the Success Alchemist. On Twitter, at Coach Jan Shaw. On Telegram, US UK Patriot. And on True Social, Success Alchemist. Today is the 29th of July, 2023. And the title of today's show is... Biden family corruption and weaponized DOJ exposed, more Trump indictments, and I'm going to cover a few other bits and pieces as well, because as usual, we've had a very busy week again. But before I start with that, I just want to say that I received an email this week to say that Susie Ward, who publishes the messages from Matthew every month, which is um, Matthew is her son who died at the age of 18 and sends us messages about what is going on in the world and in the upper dimensions. Unfortunately, Susie has had a heart attack, so she won't be able to put out the August message from Matthew. I just want to send my very best wishes to her and to her family for um, that she makes a very speedy recovery. Okay, so let's let's dive into this Biden family scenario. And I'm going to start with an article which kind of summarize thing, summarizes the whole thing. And then I'll dive deeper into some of the key points. But this is by um, Kunstler.com. I've read a couple of his articles before. His blog is Clusterfuck Nation, which is a great name for it. And the title of this, which was published yesterday, is No Way Out. And there's a quote, you put me right smack in the middle of the diversion agreement that I should have no role in. And you say, Your Honor, don't pay any attention to that provision not to prosecute Federal Judge Mary Ellen Noreka. Of course, Hunter Biden's fur-lined, gold-plated plea deal on firearm and tax charges got torn up this week by Federal Judge Mary Ellen Noreka, who discovered a sneakily hidden bit of leisure de, de main in it, I think that's sleight of hand, <laughs> that would have left the first son off the hook for any possible future charges such as a faro rap for peddling his father's influence to Ukraine, China, Russia, Kazakhstan, Romania, and who knows how many other foreign governments for zillions of dollars. One thing the legal fireworks on Wednesday seem to indicate is that the weaponization of the DOJ does not extend to every last court in America, not even the one in the Biden family fiefdom known as Delaware. The hearing left the lead U.S. attorney in the case, David Weiss, looking like a chump hung out to dry, trying to pretend that there were ongoing investigations in the case when he was actually working overtime to shut them down. It's rumoured that the rascally discarded plea deal was cooked up by Alpha Blobet, Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco herself, the Blob's consigliere. Nice try sugar, but no cigar. I love the way he puts a bit of humour into this. Lisa Monaco is in place, you see, as A.G. Merrick Garland's puppeteer. For more than a decade, Miss Monaco has chiefly served as Barack Obama's fixer, the clean-up gal who makes problems magically go away. The problem here is that sooner or later news will enter some legal channel that Mr. Obama was not unaware of all the grifting going on around his vice president's family and might himself be inculpated as an accessory to acts of treason. The former president suddenly has another new problem. The family's one-time personal chef, 
Tafari Campbell, 43, was found dead around 10 o'clock Monday morning in the Edgartown Great Pond off the Obama's Martha's Vineyard estate after a paddleboard accident. Mr. Tafari allegedly fell off the board and thrashed a bit, then just disappeared 100 feet offshore in 8 feet of water, according to another paddleboarder as yet unidentified, who was either with Mr. Tafari or who happened to witness the accident around 7.45 Sunday evening, July 23rd. Somebody, also unnamed, then made a 911 call from the Obama house. Who was that? Early reports said that the Obamas were not home at the time. A later report said that Mr. Obama might have been present at the estate that evening without Michelle. Was he Mr. Tafari's paddleboard companion? Did he make the 911 call? Mr. Tafari was reportedly no longer in the Obama's employ and was writing a book about his experiences as the first family's cook. One reported morsel attributed to the book is that Barack and Michelle Obama almost never had meals together. What else was in it? Possibly Mr. Tafari had a book deal. Has anyone located the editor and asked to see the manuscript or interviewed him, her, they about what's in it? Mr. Tafari, who had videotaped his lap swimming abilities previously and was considered an able swimmer, was supposedly just visiting Martha's Vineyard for the weekend. How did he get through the Obama's Secret Service security to go paddleboarding if the Obamas were out for the evening? Did he lug his own paddleboard to the scene or borrow one from the Obama's equipment shed? Who let him in there? My goodness, what a busy gal Lisa Monaco must be these days. So much that needs a good fixing. Anyway, after the Delaware courtroom fracas on Wednesday, Hunter had to fall back on pleading not guilty as a placeholder while his lawyers and the feds go back to square one, negotiating something Judge Nareka might accept, which conceivably might be no plea deal at all considering the insults already proffered to her by both sides in the case. In the meantime, would it amuse you to learn that part of Hunter Biden's pre-trial release agreement stipulates that the first son must make an earnest effort to search for employment? Do you know of some position in the real world, assuming there is a real world, where a person can show up for work with six secret service agents in tow? I didn't think so. He'll also be subject to periodic drug tests and is forbidden to indulge in alcohol. Good luck with that. The chance that Hunter would actually go to trial, even on those rinky-dink tax and firearm charges, is about equal to the chance that Xi Jinping will serve a dim sum breakfast to the Biden family at Rehoboth Beach on Labor Day morning. But it's looking like Judge Nareka will not let Hunter off the hook on the gargantuan hairball of potential influence peddling matters, which are the actual meat of the Biden family's legal problems. And that means Joe Biden is not off the hook either, which means he might have to resort to pardoning Hunter and possibly himself for as yet unfiled charges of bribery, money laundering and other extremely serious violations. If that happens, it's the end of the pretense that Joe Biden is a re-election candidate. But while all this melodrama unspools, there is also the creeping hazard of impeachment ahead. The Speaker of the House himself suggested it days ago. Representative James Comer's House Oversight Committee has already assembled an impressive stack of bank records tracing the journeys of various multi-million dollar payments for no particular services rendered through an unholy host of shell companies and is now rumoured to be compiling records of previously hidden Biden family offshore bank accounts in places such as the Cayman Islands and Panama. Biden family foot soldier Devon Archer is scheduled for a deposition this coming Monday and since he was thrown under the bus by Hunter on a federal bond fraud rap, a few years back, there's every expectation that he will unload a dumpster of ripe trouble on his former intimates. 
However, Monday is also the last day before the legislature's summer recess, which means not much of anything may happen to advance any of these matters until early September. Incidentally, they actually started the recess um, on Thursday, which many people are up in arms about, considering everything that's going on with the Biden family and all the information that's coming out about the corruption it just seems rather negligent to drop it for a few weeks of holiday. And incidentally, Joe Biden has set off for Delaware for a 10-day break as well. Not that he ever seems to be at work, but uh, <clears throat> another example of uh, taking time out. So continuing with the article. So um, I said... Not much of anything may happen to advance any of these matters until early September. And then it's possible that all hell busts loose for the Republic as we enter the traditional season of hurricanes and financial fiascos, not to mention what looks like a mounting acknowledgement that our Ukraine proxy war project has utterly failed and this overhanging threat of impeachment hearings. Podcaster Scott Adams spun out an elegantly macabre possible scenario about how this works out, which is worth repeating here. The House moves to impeach. Joe Biden retaliates by threatening the entire deep state blob with revealing a whole lot of dark info on their dastardly secrets, their sexual proclivities and adventures. Think the Epstein client list and other incriminating deets and receipts that would theoretically bring ruin to scores of political celebrities, in which case the blob just up and offs dumbass Joe Biden using their cunning ways of arranging for him to die in his sleep because he was old and it was his time. Salutes to you, Scott, for that one. And then, of course, there is all that follows that. <laughs> So a bit tongue-in-cheek in the representation of what's been happening there. And I'm going to now deep dive a little deeper into what actually happened at the court hearing. So there were many, many reports on this plea deal failure, collapse, or whatever you care to call it, as you can probably imagine. So it was a bit difficult to pick out one from the many to uh, report on for this show. This is from the Daily Signal, the collapse of Hunter Biden's sweetheart plea deal. This is from the 26th. There were clearly some bizarre twists and turns in federal court Wednesday in Delaware as Hunter Biden's anticipated sweetheart plea deal collapsed. So what happened? That's hard to say for sure as a transcript of the colloquy between the lawyers and the judge has not been released. Basically, it seems that there was a misunderstanding between the prosecutors and the Biden legal team about whether the plea deal was going to end Hunter's potential legal exposure to other crimes or whether there was still an ongoing investigation. It seems that Biden's legal team believed the former, while the Delaware U.S. Attorney's Office believed the latter. While it's not uncommon for plea deals to fall apart, one would think such a high-profile deal in writing would have been ironclad before the parties stepped into court today. Apparently not. After the deal was announced in June, there was an outcry from many quarters about the nature of it. Moreover, since that time, two whistleblowers, experienced career IRS agents, Gary Shapley and Joseph Ziegler, have come forward and raised serious questions about whether there was interference by highly placed individuals within the Justice Department with the investigation being conducted by Delaware U.S. Attorney David Weiss. Such interference, they claimed under oath, included rejecting recommendations from the IRS to file far more serious charges, refusing to provide the IRS investigators with pertinent information that was found on Biden's laptop, shutting down potentially fruitful areas investigation into financial dealings involving Biden, his father and possibly others, 
refusing to authorise search warrants that could have uncovered important evidence, tipping off Biden's lawyers about areas that were to be searched and the names of individuals who were to be interviewed and unexplained and inexcusable delays that resulted in significant charges falling outside the statute of limitations. Shapley and Ziegler have also raised doubts about whether Attorney General Merrick Garland told the truth when he testified under oath before Congress and denied that any interference had taken place and that Weiss had all the authority he needed to file whatever charges he deemed appropriate in any applicable jurisdiction. Perhaps these disturbing allegations induced a change of heart by Weiss. Who knows? So far, no information has been forthcoming, although the DOJ has, it seems, now given approval for Weiss to appear before Congress to offer his side of the story. In response to a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit filed by the Heritage Foundation's Oversight Project, the Justice Department has stated that it has thousands of responsive documents about the communications between Maine Justice and Weiss's office, but it has declined to produce any of those documents thus far. Heritage's oversight project also filed an amicus brief in Delaware asking the judge not to accept the Biden plea deal. In terms of the plea deal, it's been reported that the deal collapsed when the US Attorney's Office announced that it is still investigating whether Biden violated the Foreign Agents Registration Act, or FARA, which is designed to root out potential national security threats by identifying those who are acting directly or indirectly on behalf of foreign governments, political parties or parent companies of US subsidiaries, among other foreign organisations, when attempting to influence public policy and laws in the United States. Willful violations of FARA can result in five years imprisonment and a $250,000 fine per count. Although rarely prosecuted, it was one of the many charges that were filed against Paul Manafort, President Donald Trump's former campaign manager and Manafort's business partner, Richard Gates. Manafort pled guilty to that charge, but was ultimately pardoned by Trump. The Justice Department recently filed charges, including Farrah charges, against Gal Luft for accepting over $700,000 from the CEFC China Energy Fund, allegedly to advance the interests of the People's Republic of China, among others. Luft claims that he has already provided information to the FBI about Biden's involvement with the same company and claims that Biden was paid a lot more than he was. Evidence has surfaced that Biden was paid at least $5 million by CEFC, including a WhatsApp message suggesting that Biden threatened the CEFC executive who wired those funds, saying he was sitting next to his father and that there would be repercussions if the funds were not forwarded immediately. An email retrieved from Biden's laptop states that CEFC offered him a three-year consulting contract at $10 million per year for introductions alone. And yet another email on Biden's laptop seemingly identifies then-former Vice President Joe Biden as a participant in a call about CEFC's attempt to purchase natural gas in the United States. And Hunter Biden's former business partner, Tony Bobolinsky, has stated that he met Joe Biden in 2017 to discuss a business deal involving CEFC and has stated that an email from another one of their partners referenced a 10% cut of proceeds being set aside for the big guy, whom Bobolinsky says was a reference to Joe Biden. It has also been reported that Hunter Biden had a 10% ownership interest in BHR Partners, a Chinese government-linked investment firm. The allegations involving CEFC are in addition to, of course, the allegations about Hunter Biden's lucrative involvement with Burisma, the Ukrainian energy concern, as well as the fact that then-Vice President Joe Biden used his position to get Ukraine's top prosecutor, Viktor Shokin, fired at a time when Shokin claims he was investigating Burisma. 
there are many open questions about what other business interests Hunter Biden might have had with foreign entities, what activities he performed on their behalf, and what involvement his father might have had, and what payments he might have received as a result of Hunter Biden's business interests. Suffice it to say, this is a dynamic and confusing situation. Now that the plea deal has collapsed and the DOJ is continuing to investigate Hunter Biden for alleged violations of Farah, perhaps there is a glimmer of hope that the ongoing Justice Department and congressional hearings will find out the truth about his culpability and anyone else who may have been involved in criminal activity connected to him. Where this will lead is anyone's guess at this point. And then the Daily Caller goes into a little more detail on this in their article. Here's the exact moment Hunter Biden's hidden immunity deal imploded. And this is from the 27th. Department of Justice prosecutors buried the agency's deal not to prosecute Hunter Biden for non-tax crimes in Biden's diversion agreement rather than his guilty plea prior to Wednesday's court hearing during which the arrangement fell apart. Judge Mary Ellen Noreka objected to the terms of Hunter Biden's diversion agreement at his arraignment Wednesday because it appeared to give Hunter Biden immunity from prosecution for crimes related to his two misdemeanor tax charges, according to a transcript of Biden's court appearance. The United States agrees not to criminally prosecute Biden outside of the terms of this agreement for any federal crimes encompassed by the attached statement of facts, attachment A, and the statement of facts attached as Exhibit 1 to the Memorandum of Plea Agreement filed this same day, the diversion agreement reads. Judge Nareka asked Hunter Biden, his lawyer Chris Clark, and DOJ prosecutor Leo Wise about the terms of the diversion agreement and its connection to Biden's guilty plea, which lay out the payments Biden received from Chinese, Ukrainian and Romanian business interests. We're not making an an exception. I want to know, has anyone made you any promises that are not contained in the written memorandum of plea agreement, she asked Biden. Yes, there are promises from the government in the diversion agreement, Your Honour, Clark said. And sir, are you relying on the promises made in the diversion agreement in connection with your agreement to plead guilty, she followed up. Yes, Your Honour, Biden said. And if the diversion agreement were not valid or unenforceable for any reason, would you enter into the memorandum of plea agreement, she pressed Biden. No, Your Honour, Biden responded. Paragraph 15 of the diversion agreement states the United States agrees not to criminally prosecute Biden outside of the terms of this agreement for any federal crimes encompassed by the attached statement of facts, attachment A to the diversion agreement, and the statement of facts attached as Exhibit 1 to the memorandum of plea agreement filed this same day, Nareka clarified. And just so we're clear, I think you already answered this, sir, but are you relying on that promise in connection with your agreement to accept the memorandum of plea agreement and plead guilty, she asked Biden. Yes, Your Honour, Biden replied. If that provision were not valid or not enforceable, would you accept the memorandum of plea agreement? No, Your Honour, Biden repeated. If you had no immunity from the government, perhaps even a different prosecutor and the government could bring a felony tax evasion charge or drug charges against you, would you still enter the plea agreement and plead guilty to these tax charges? Nareka wondered. No, Your Honour, Biden said. Nareka continued to press Biden and Clark on the diversion agreement's immunity provision and how it connects to Biden entering his guilty plea. But he would not agree, just so I understand, sir, you would not agree to that plea agreement if you didn't get some immunity from other charges. Is that right? She questioned Clark. Speaking for my client, that's correct, Your Honour, Clark asserted. Nareka turned her attention to Wise to get more information about the diversion agreement's promises to Hunter Biden. 
So let me first ask, do you have any precedent for agreeing not to prosecute crimes that have nothing to do with the case or the charges being diverted? Nareka asked Wise. I'm not aware of any, Your Honour, Wise conceded. So have you ever seen, I think I just asked you this, but have you ever seen a diversion agreement where the agreement not to prosecute is so broad that it encompasses crimes in a different case? Nareka continued. And I would say, Your Honour, I don't think it is broad in the sense that Wise said as Nareka cut him off. She asked Wise about whether Biden could still be charged under the Foreign Agents Registration Act, FARA, if the diversion agreement was finalised. All right, so there are references to foreign companies, for example, in the facts section. Could the government bring a charge under the Foreign Agents Registration Act, the judge said. Yes, Wise stated. I need you to answer my question if you can. Is there a meeting of the minds on that one? Nareka proceeded to ask Clark. As stated by the government just now, I don't agree with what the government said, he snapped back. So I mean, these are contracts. To be enforceable, there has to be a meeting of the minds. So what do we do now? Nareka said to Wise. Then there is no deal, Wise said. Biden was expected to plead guilty Wednesday to two tax misdemeanors and a felony gun possession charge. He ended up pleading not guilty after the disagreement between the DOJ and his legal team. U.S. Attorney David Weiss said the Biden investigation is still ongoing shortly after Biden's charges were announced in June. Weiss is expected to testify before Congress after lawmakers return from summer recess. The House Oversight, Judiciary and Ways and Means Committees are investigating accusations from two IRS whistleblowers that federal prosecutors slow-walked the Biden investigation and failed to charge him despite overwhelming evidence. IRS whistleblower Joseph Ziegler testified to House Oversight that Biden and his associates took $17 million from foreign business interests. Gary Shapley, the other IRS whistleblower, revealed a threatening text Hunter Biden allegedly sent to a Chinese business associate with Joe Biden in the room. The FBI is also investigating bribery allegations involving Ukrainian oligarch Nicholas Lachevsky, Joe Biden and Hunter Biden based on information provided by a confidential source. Hunter Biden's longtime business associate, Devin Archer, is expected to testify to House oversight that Joe Biden participated in multiple business meetings with Hunter. Joe Biden has repeatedly denied any involvement with his son's business dealings. Hunter Biden's lawyers previously stated that their client's business dealings are solely attributable to him. Biden's lawyers did not immediately respond to a request for comment. Incidentally, uh, it was reported yesterday that Devon Archer is in hiding after receiving threats. Source blames Biden crime family. And that was from Gateway Pundit. The plot thickens. Hunter Biden's Rosemont Seneca business partner, Devon Archer, is in hiding ahead of next week's congressional testimony, the Daily Mail reports, and fears for his family's safety after receiving threats, possibly from circles, involved with the Biden crime family. You can't make this stuff up, can you? PJ Media asks, did Hunter Biden's admission in court prove that Joe Biden lied? On Wednesday, when Hunter Biden's plea deal fell apart and he was forced to plead not guilty to tax evasion and enter in a, into a diversion programme, the embattled first son also made an important admission to the federal judge that may prove that Joe Biden lied. Hunter admitted that he had received hundreds of thousands of dollars from a company supported by the Chinese Communist Party, directly con contradicting Joe Biden's previous statements that his family never made money from China. And that was in the 2020 debate that he said that in response to Trump's challenge on the subject. And then we have a Gateway Pundit report a courtroom perspective, GOP hero Julianne Murray weighs in on the Hunter Biden court fiasco from inside the Delaware courtroom. 
And this was uh, printed, published, sorry, on 26th again. On Sunday, Delaware Republican Party Chair Julianne Murray spoke with the Gateway Pundits Jim Hoft about the Hunter Biden case and court date this week in Delaware. Julian announced that on Monday she will file an amicus brief with the Delaware court. Julianne told the Gateway Pundit, what is triggering this amicus brief is what has happened since the plea came out, since the details were released on the plea. What has happened is David Weiss has made statements that now contradict earlier statements. I was independent, now I wasn't so independent. The Attorney General himself has made statements that now don't make sense or are misleading when you take in the IRS whistleblowers that testified. The case is still developing and Julianne was going to be certain that the judge and the court knew about it. Julianne then told TGP about her Monday filing. That's the Gateway Pundit, by the way. We're going to actually file a brief tomorrow. What is triggering this amicus brief is what has happened since the plea came out. After Julianne filed her brief, the House Oversight Committee also filed a brief with the court that included the new allegations of criminal activity by Joe and Hunter Biden that were revealed in testimony and newly released documents last week. In response to the amicus briefs, Hunter Biden's attorney called the court, pretended to work for the oversight Republicans and attempted to remove the amicus briefs from the case. Fortunately, the attorney, Jessica Bengals, got caught. This shows the lawlessness and unethical behaviour of Hunter Biden's attorneys. On Wednesday, Julianne Murray attended today's Hunter Biden hearing. She later spoke with the Gateway Pundit. It felt great to feel like, OK, made a difference in this. Going into the proceeding today, I went up to the clerk of the court. I had spoken with the other counsel for Heritage, and we had decided that if they made any move to seal the proceedings today, any of the documents, anything like that, that we were going to intervene and make an application right there that it's improper because there's a Third Circuit case that basically says pleas are open to the public. Judicial documents that are open to the public. So I'm sitting in the back with my notepad, figuring, OK, I may be walking up to the podium. Well, the room's full of Marshal Secret Service and said, here's the deal. And I said, who do I need to talk to about this? Because if they say the word that this is going under seal, I'm standing up and I'm walking up to that podium. She tells me to go to talk to the clerk of the court. I talk to her and I explain it. And I said, I know you guys don't like surprises. I want you to know this is coming. And she said, I'm telling the judge. So the judge knew and I firmly believe that the way that this proceeding went down in terms of everything that was read into the record and all the stuff that happened was a result of that. Julianne Murray told TGP she intends to participate in the case as it proceeds. Today was a good day for law and order. Now, interestingly, Hunter Biden files telling legal motion after sweetheart plea deal backfires horribly. And this was from Western Journal. And this was published yesterday. Sorry, on the Thursday, the 27th. For all the speeches President Joe Biden and his entire administration have given about privilege and social disparities, there's no one more entitled, privileged, spoiled and full of himself than the first son, Hunter Biden. The sweetheart plea agreement between federal prosecutors and Hunter Biden fell apart Wednesday. The judge declined to sign off on the deal, commenting, you are telling me to rubber stamp the agreement, according to CBS News. And now Hunter Biden's legal team has asked the court to keep certain materials under seal. The materials in question contain confidential and sensitive information, including grand jury materials and taxpayer information, according to a filing Wednesday in U.S. District Court for the District of Delaware. Biden's lawyers argued that such materials would be prejudicial and said the fact that some of the materials may have been disclosed earlier by the U.S. House of Representatives does not strip them of their protections. 
These filings include several hundred pages of exhibits containing allegations, innuendo and unverified claims regarding defendant and the very matters before the court, the filings said. Defence counsel wishes to maintain these materials under seal to protect defendant from the disclosure on the public docket of potentially prejudicial information about an ongoing criminal matter. Under the circumstances, the temporary and continued sealing of such records to prevent undue and irreparable prejudice to a defendant in a criminal case is both warranted and serves the ends of justice. Ha! With the allegations of bribery and corruption surrounding Hunter and his father, one would think the Bidens would be happy to let all tax documents into the public record to end the speculation if there was nothing more to hide. But nothing more to hide doesn't seem to be a term the Bidens are familiar with. The rabbit hole of their seemingly unscrupulous, unethical and illegal dealings goes too deep to reach the end of. According to CBS News, on July 19th, IRS whistleblowers testified to the House Oversight Committee about the tax investigation involving Hunter Biden. Joseph Ziegler, the lead IRS case agent, described himself as a Democrat and revealed that he recommended multiple felonies and misdemeanors charges against Hunter Biden in 2021. Ziegler said investigators found evidence suggesting improper business deductions claimed by Hunter Biden for personal expenses like his children's college tuition, hotel bills and payments to escorts. However, their attempts to further investigate these matters were obstructed. Ziegler expressed frustration, believing the investigation was limited and wondering about potential findings if they hadn't been restricted. House Ways and Means Committee Chairman Jason Smith, a Republican, submitted a court brief urging the judge to consider the testimony of IRS whistleblowers when deciding on the agreement. On Tuesday, someone from Hunter Biden's lawyer's office allegedly tried to impersonate a Republican lawyer to have the letter removed from court filings, like teenagers calling the principal's office in their mum's voice to tell him their son won't be at school. And there's a tweet from Nick Sorter breaking Hunter Biden's lawyers are facing sanctions after being accused of lying to the court clerk in his criminal tax case. And incidentally, this isn't in this report, but um, the judge has actually said that she wants no contact with the court clerks because apparently the identity of this clerk who was um, on receiving end of this call has been released into the public. She's not happy about that. So she's said everything must go to any questions, anything has to go to her office directly and not to the court clerks. Now, in the midst of all this, of course, Karine Jean-Pierre is refusing to answer questions about this because Hunter is a private citizen, which uh, caused a great deal of uproar from people, or, or hilarity, actually, based on the fact that Hunter Biden showed up to the court with a motorcade or in a motorcade of six black SUVs and Secret Service protection. So it's like, well, if this guy's a private citizen, how come he's getting this kind of treatment at taxpayers' expense? Now, the question is, who signed off on this plea deal? And Gateway Pundit again reports, where's the GOP on this? Cash Patel names the only two people at the DOJ who could have signed off on Hunter's sweetheart plea deal. Cash Patel, chief of staff to the acting United States Secretary of Defense under President Donald Trump, joined Steve Bannon on the war room on Thursday morning following the Hunter Biden plea deal fiasco Wednesday in a Delaware court. I won't read the detail of what they said because it's basically describing what I've already covered. Um, but it did point out that this um, immunity to any further prosecutions was actually, quote, a shocking secret that was supposed to remain hidden from the American public. So in the discussion, Steve Bannon said, who authorised this deal yesterday? How did this even happen? Your piece of the Daily Caller is saying, hey, let's be strategic. We got Garland and Ray. 
we can move on that. And that gets to the government's gangsters, not to the Biden crime family, but to the government gangsters. So make your case, Kash Patel. If you're the field general here, what are you saying? And Kash replied, so it's all interconnected, right? And as a former federal prosecutor who did these gun cases and a public defender who represented countless minorities, pre-trial diversion is not permitted in this case. The only way you get it, I think the judge said that right, said Steve, and Cash said, and now it's out there, but we called it on the war room like three months ago. We said this is an illegal plea. The Attorney General himself has to come in and waive the regulations to approve pre-trial diversion. That's why Hunter Biden got it. Garland and Monaco came in and said, here's your, so you're agreeing to my point. Steve said somebody in DOJ had to make the decision to authorise those processes. Cash said there's only two people at DOJ. There's one policy that governs it and there's only two people that can waive it. And it specifically says in gun possession crimes that have to do with narcotics, pre-trial diversion shall not be granted unless by express waiver of the Deputy Attorney General or the Attorney General. That's the regulation. That's why it's never been given before except to Hunter. Only two Biden administration officials could have approved Hunter Biden's sweetheart deal, Garland and Monaco. These people are as crooked as the day is long. And then Hunter Biden's plea deal apart, we also have multiple banks filed over 170 suspicious activity reports on the Bidens. And this was published by Town Hall yesterday. As the evidence for at least an impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden keeps pouring in, our friends at Twitchy highlighted another example. The suspicious activity reports, SARS, from six banks to the tune of 170, in fact. Senator Ted Cruz, Republican Texas, and co-host Ben Ferguson discussed these reports on their podcast with House Oversight Chairman James Comer, Republican Kentucky, as their guest. Not only has Comer been looking into the Biden family as part of fulfilling promises to the American people, he already is familiar with SARS since, as he told Cruz, he was the director of a bank. These SARS are submitted and sent to the Treasury Department when banks have a strong suspicion that a crime has been committed so as to protect the bank. As Coma emphasised, these are submitted very seldom. If someone were to have two, the chairman explained, it would be hard for that person to open up a bank account. Submitting a SAR... Coma added, also is inviting the regulators to come in and regulate, which is the last thing banks want. The 170 reports are thus quite significant. To paint the scene here, Coma explained that what might trigger a SAR is a large transaction that comes out of the blue. The allegations are certainly damning, as the tweet from Kenekoa the Great lays out in part. Breaking Representative James Comer says six banks, including J.P. Morgan, Bank of America and Wells Fargo, submitted over 170 suspicious activity reports to the Treasury Department regarding the Biden family, alleging their involvement in money laundering, human trafficking and tax fraud. The American banks also raised concerns about wire transfers received by the Bidens from foreign state-owned entities, notably from the Chinese government, allegedly for the purpose of money laundering and tax evasion. The foreign wires were found to be directed towards Biden's business associates before being funneled through 20 shell companies associated with the Bidens. Subsequently, the funds were distributed among various Biden family members. Comer and Cruz also discussed a name we've been hearing about for months, Rob Walker, the first account that Comer said the committee subpoenaed. He was an associate of the Bidens who funneled money from China and Romania that was laundered. Although he's doing business with the Bidens, Comer doesn't know what that is. Those business dealings have been particularly concerning, though, as was actually only further highlighted during an exchange between Representative Dan Goldman, 
Democrat New York and IRS whistleblowers during an oversight committee hearing earlier this month. Not only was there a three million wire transfer from China one day, three million dollars, of course, it came out of the blue for an account Coma said didn't have much activity otherwise over the course of 10 years and maintained a balance of about 40 or 50 thousand dollars. There had never been a foreign wire before. The deposit needs to be in the bank for 24 hours so as to clear, but after 24 hours and two minutes, Coma detailed, incremental payments were wired to different Biden shell companies. Then the article includes the continuation of this tweet from Kanakoa the Great. Representative Coma highlighted one specific SAR linked to a $3 million wire from China to Biden's business partner, Rob Walker. This money was received in an inactive account that had maintained a $50,000 balance for 10 years before the significant wire transaction from China. He says within just 24 hours of receiving the wire, but that's not the same as what Comer was saying, that it had to be in for 24 hours to clear. Walker initiated incremental payments to several Biden shell companies, eventually dispersing funds to four different Biden family members. Comer explained that concealing the source of money through the use of shell companies to deceive the IRS is considered money laundering and racketeering. He noted that if the funds were intended for legitimate purposes, they would have been wired directly to Hunter Biden. But instead, they were routed through business partners and various companies with no clear legitimate purpose. I'm going to jump to the next part of the tweet. When the corporate media foolishly asked, where is the evidence that the Bidens committed crimes? American banks have submitted hundreds of suspicious activity reports on the Biden family, alleging their involvement in human trafficking, money laundering and tax fraud. Congressional investigators have obtained bank account records and wire transfer statements on 20 shell companies owned by the Bidens, which were allegedly used for laundering illegally obtained money from China, Russia, Ukraine, Romania and Kazakhstan as unregistered foreign agents. This evidence is supported by hundreds of thousands of emails, tens of thousands of text messages, photographs, audio recordings, calendar statements and 10 years of data from Hunter Biden's laptop, which the FBI took into its possession in 2019. At Marco Polo 501c3 published a comprehensive report on the Biden laptop documenting 459 alleged crimes involving the Biden family and their associates, including 140 business crimes, 191 sex crimes and 128 drug crimes. A $1,000 reward is offered for any verifiable corrections, but thus far no crimes have been disputed. In addition, credible IRS whistleblowers have accused the Justice Department of obstructing the Hunter Biden investigation by blocking felony charges, search warrants and interviews while preventing any investigation of the president and his family. Furthermore, just yesterday, a judge highlighted an unprecedented lenient deal offered by the Justice Department to Hunter Biden, which would result in no felony charges or jail time for tax fraud and lying on a gun form. This DOJ deal would have also granted protection to the first son from any future prosecution related to illegally obtained money from foreign nations as an unregistered foreign agent. What is more corrosive and destructive to our nation than a politicised justice department that applies different legal standards depending upon whether one's last name is Trump or Biden? And by the way... um, Speaker Kevin McCarthy is considering an impeachment inquiry against Joe Biden. Um, We're hoping that he'll go through with that, given that he's rather a rhino. Uh, He seems to have just backed off a little, but hopefully when they get back from recess, they'll actually start going forward with this. Of course, uh, Republicans and particularly MAGA supporters are up in arms about the unequal treatment of the Bidens and Trump. Um, The Daily Mail reports Republicans react with fury to brazen timing of bombshell new Trump indictment and claim charges were filed to distract from Biden family scandals after first son's sweetheart deal collapsed. 
This was, again, published yesterday. Republican lawmakers claim the federal government is releasing new charges against Trump to distract from Hunter Biden's alleged crimes. Special counsel Jack Smith's team of prosecutors unveiled additional charges against Trump Thursday night over classified document scandal. It came after the Department of Justice's deal with Hunter Biden collapsed, leaving the first son susceptible to further criminal charges. Republicans reacted with fury to the coincidental timing of a bombshell new indictment against former President Donald Trump. Special counsel Jack Smith's team of prosecutors added additional charges to the 32-count indictment the former president was already facing for keeping classified documents at his Mar-a-Lago estate Thursday evening. Among the new charges are allegations that the former president allegedly told aides to wipe security footage from his Florida club server as a way to foil investigators probing the removal of classified documents from the White House. And somebody on Twitter remarked, and I'd forgotten about this, um, that the uh, when the raid was carried out, they were uh, they asked for the cameras to be turned off in Mar-a-Lago. And that request was refused, I believe. So if they didn't want any cameras running, why are they complaining that they haven't got any video footage? You know, they just want it both ways, don't they? But um, we know that. These allegations came just one day after the Department of Justice's sweetheart deal with Hunter Biden sensationally collapsed leaving the first son susceptible to further criminal charges for alleged deals with China and Ukraine. Now Republican lawmakers claim the federal government has only released the new charges to distract from alleged wrongdoings perpetrated by the president's family. Only hours after the indictment was unsealed, Fox News reported that members of the Biden family may hold offshore bank accounts. The DOJ's decision to pursue additional charges against President Trump is further evidence of the politicisation of our nation's top prosecutorial agency. Senator Marsha Blackburn, a Republican from Tennessee, tweeted Thursday night. Amid AG Merrick Garland's dismissal of wrongdoing by Hunter Biden and Hillary Clinton, Tennesseans are tired of two tiers of justice. In an interview with Fox News, Senator Josh Hawley also said it was no coincidence that the charges were announced after Hunter Biden's deal fell through. Is it any coincidence that the DOJ rushes to add these new indictments today after the Hunter debacle, after their own self-dealing and two-timing is exposed, after they try to hide from us the true extent of this plea deal that gets blown up and then it's like, oh, we got to go indict Trump on something else, the Republican from Missouri said. I mean, it's so brazen right now what they're doing. It is really a subversion of the rule of law, he claimed. I mean, it's taking the rule of law, turning it on its head. Representative Elise Stefanik, a Republican from New York, echoed those sentiments in a statement. The American people understand that Joe Biden and his administration are engulfed in one of the biggest political corruption scandals of all time, she said. It's no coincidence that the day after a federal judge throws out Hunter Biden's corrupt sweetheart plea bargain, Biden's DOJ continues its witch hunt against President Trump. Our republic is in peril. Our justice system is broken, she claimed, vowing House Republicans will continue our work to investigate the Biden crime family and leave no stone unturned in order to deliver accountability on behalf of the American people. In the wake of the indictment, Trump also weighed in via his true social platform. Whatever happened to the crooked Joe Biden documents case, he had 20 times more boxes than I did and he wasn't covered by the Presidential Records Act. I was, the former Apprentice host wrote in part. When it first came out that Biden had all of these docs, many classified, almost everyone, including those on the left, said, there goes the case against Trump. But they waited and waited, got failed prosecutor deranged Jack Smith and struck but did also almost nothing on the really bad Biden documents case many stored in Chinatown, he added. Senator Ted Cruz said, I think these indictments are a disgrace. 
and I think Merrick Garland should be impeached and removed from office for allowing the Department of Justice to be turned into a partisan hammer to attack the political enemies of the White House. And Vivek Ramaswamy, who is challenging Trump in the Republican primary, called the indictment election interference. They're leaving nothing to chance this time, he tweeted. Lock him up, facts or law be damned. Ultimately, as many people have reported, the intention is to try and prevent Trump from even running in the 2024 election. And they've timed the trial for May next year, which, of course, is right when all the campaigning is underway for the November election. But his supporters say that even if he's not on the docket, that they will write him in and vote for him. So this is just getting him more and more support as the victim of this ridiculous or venomous witch hunt, desperate witch hunt, actually. They're obviously desperate and scared to death that he'll get re-elected. Now, I don't have much time left, so I'm just going to run down a few of the other headlines from this week. A couple of them are interesting. Nigel Farage, who was the leader of the Brexit party, he had his bank account in, with Coots closed. Um, and Coots is a private bank owned by NatWest. And all hell has broke loose about that because uh, presumably... He is um, sharing unfavourable information. And the other person who's just been hit with the same thing is Dr. McCullough. Dr. McCullough operates a website selling health products, but also has been very vocal about the uh, COVID-19 situation and the vax and everything else. And he was um, banking with Chase Bank. And not only has have his business accounts been shut down, but his personal accounts, the accounts of his CEO, of, of other officials in his organization, plus every member of their family will not be allowed to open a Chase Bank account. And as Dr. McCullough said, you know, this is just... Um, the beginning of this control that they're trying to get through these central bank uh, digital currencies so that if you're going against the official narrative with what they are going to label misinformation and disinformation, then they can block your access to your funds and your inability to actually use those funds to buy things, the necessities of life. And, you know, we've been called conspiracy theorists for talking about this, but we're seeing this totalitarian, well, not so much a tiptoe, but more of a sprint now to try and gain control over all of us to keep us in line and only do what we are allowed to do. And the other thing, you know, we've moved on from COVID-19, but the latest fear porn, of course, is all about climate change. And the mainstream media on both sides of the channel have gone overboard on playing up this um, report, which is false, about record heat levels when they're showing in the reports or quoting as one I think it was either Sicily or Sardinia. They're saying, oh, a high of 42 degrees. And there's a, in the image, it's showing an actual temperature gauge outside of a, a shop, a store that says 32 degrees. And apparently they're registering temperatures as at ground level, not what used to be the two meters up above ground because of course you know that the earth and all different kinds of surfaces absorb the heat so of course they're going to be much much hotter it's crazy but you know and, and unfortunately people are still falling for it and you know going on about climate change you know we're all going to die well <laughs> a lot of us know like we did with COVID-19 that it's all propaganda so but to to end on a positive note, 
you know, I'm, I'm very pleased and happy that all of this truth is coming out about the corruption of the Bidens and all the other organizations that are supporting the deep state agenda. So that's all I have time for this week. I hope you've enjoyed the show and you'll join me for next week's Cosmic Creating Show. Thank you to Nancy for producing, to Derek Condit of mysticalwares.com for sponsoring Cosmic Reality Radio. So until next time, stay well, be safe and bye for now. You have been listening to Cosmic Creating with Jan Shaw, updating current reality, a production of CosmicReality.com. Thank you.